you ready? I guess. <laughs> I mean, ever really ready to kind of like no. fill your guts and no. <laughs> <laughs> if you own it, then it doesn't own you anymore. Right. And and I feel like this is I absolutely think like today on the 235th day, like this interview was like the beginning of the next chapter mm. in healing and like processing. Powerful. Hey, y'all. Kim Willis here with Things I Learned Yesterday podcast. I'm really excited to share my next conversation with you. I met Kelly through Instagram several years ago. I had a photography business and found her photography account back when she was taking pics too and loved what she was doing. Fast forward several months and we were both working for the same organization. She stood up in our big departmental meeting and introduced herself. And like the crazy extrovert that I am, I beelined to her so I could introduce myself. I love meeting new people and she seemed uber cool. Well, turns out she is uber cool. And as life would have it, we're kindred spirits too. We've been friends ever since. Kelly Denby is a wife, a mom, daughter, sister, friend. Y'all, she's just like us. She and her husband, Chris, own Hemlock and Heather, a reclaimed wooden wall art business. They live in Austin, Texas, and I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to talk with her on this podcast. The foundation of things I learned yesterday is friendship and support. And the conversations I have are meaningful, inspiring, and hopefully help us better understand ourselves. We talked about Kelly's choice to give up alcohol, which happened to be at the beginning of the pandemic, and also turned out to be the biggest blessing. And we talked about how sobriety has impacted her life. I've just been so impressed by the courage, tenacity, and grace in her life. She's honest, raw, humble, and truly one of a kind. Sobriety isn't something we like to talk about, but I think a lot of people struggle with it and something I think we should talk more about. I think this conversation will encourage, inspire, and bring you hope, and I'm really thankful I get to share it with you. So I just wanted to say first, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story with us. I know that um, your journey has not been easy, but I know it's been really powerful and, you know, the podcast things I learned yesterday is all about what we've learned and how we've overcome and the power of transformation and showing up. And I think, you know, your story and what we're going to talk about today is really powerful. And um, I just wanted to go first say thank you so much for coming on here. Thanks for having me. It's (laughs) really is. Um, So let's just, you know, I know all about you, but um, for everybody out there, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. So I'm 39. I'm a wife of almost 12 years this month, a mother to a four-year-old girl, a stepmother to a 25-year-old guy. I guess you can't say boy anymore. Man, man <laughs> um, and um, I believe in God, and I don't apologize for that anymore. I used to make apologies and, and uh, try to make everybody else feel comfortable about that, but I do. I believe in him, and... I incorporate him in my life now. Um, I'm a small business owner, a non-profit um, fundraising consultant on the side. I am a fearless dreamer, and I've been alcohol-free for about, I think it's 235 days today. So <laughs> for yes, my uh, fellow Math Challenge friends, that's about eight months. So that is is huge, Kelly. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's been a journey. Um, And for for those people that can't really do the math either, that I stopped (laughs) drinking right before quarantine hit. So there you go. Oh, my gosh. This is my day. What day is it? February 21st. February 21st. So what um, what prompted you to. So today's conversation you know, we're going to talk about sobriety and we're going to talk about how hard that is, the struggles of alcohol and addiction, um, and just walk through that process with you. So February 21st, you said was, you know, the day you decided to stop drinking. 
Um, so what, what happened, what led you to that decision, um, to do that? Yeah. So that morning I woke up on a new friend's couch in her office, um, and had no recollection of why I was there, how I got there. Um, this wasn't anything new to me over, I mean, I started drinking when I was 15. Right. And, uh, my issue with drinking has always been that I lack the trigger to stop. So it's not that I was drinking every day or had the shakes when I wouldn't drink. Um, it wasn't that type of issue with alcohol. It was that once I got going and it typically was because I was avoiding, uh, stress. I was, you know, that was my coping mechanism of how I would handle life and stressful situations and celebrations and just all the things, right? Like that's, that's our culture. I mean, we, we use alcohol and lean on alcohol to, for the good and the bad. And, um, this particular occasion, I was super stressed out. We were living in LaGrange and living in a 900 square foot garage apartment that didn't have insulation. And we're going through our own struggles with finances and, uh, depression, anxiety, and um, that's a whole other story. But I was going to Creative Ladies Night, and <laughs> I know you know that group. Um, <laughs> love that group. Love um, them. Thing about Creative Ladies is uh, we get together once a month, and the the deal is bring a bottle of wine or a bottle or a friend in the creative um, industry. And I decided to meet up with my new friend. I'm so glad she's part of this story because um, we're not super close. We don't even know each other that well, but we met for drinks before the event. So I was coming in from, from LaGrange. I was so excited to just escape my daily life, my reality of how hard the past year had been. And uh, quarantine hadn't even hit yet. So I didn't even know what was in store at that point. But I was coming into Austin, just feeling great on top of the world. Love this event. It always fills my cup. Makes me just, I love connecting with other creative women. Uh, love seeing you there when you, <laughs> when you go. Uh, but yeah, uh, we decided to meet for drinks to talk about some, this other project we were maybe going to work on together. And, you know, I liked rosé. I liked wine. I liked sitting at bars with friends and laughter and, uh, let kind of let it take a hold of me. Um, had promised Chris that I would be careful. Um, time and time again, I've made those promises and broken them. Um, so then fast forward, we, Tina and I head to the event and she was driving, uh, drink more there. We were late. Uh, I, I had a bunch of conversations that I'm a little embarrassed by. Um, fast forward, end up at her house with her husband, who's lovely, and drank more wine at her island and just had the best time until we didn't. And I apparently tried to drive home, which was about an hour away. Um, they, you know, later on, I found out that Tina and her husband had lost a friend who was driving his son and a friend home from a, I think a soccer game and a drunk driver hit them and he died. So all that to say, very important to them to not allow me to drive home that night. And this was not Kim. I mean, this is hard to admit because I'm a mom, you know, I'm almost 40 for Christ's sake. And here I am like, trying to convince my new friends that it's okay for me to drive after drinking probably what was equivalent to three bottles of wine, if I'm really honest with myself. Um, and I would fight people on it. Like I've gotten in huge fights with friends and family before that I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And I'm really not. It's just a control thing, you know, is what I'm kind of trying to, what I'm figuring out about myself. But, um, yeah, so they stopped me and forced me to stay the night, and she contacted Chris and told him I was safe, so I'm grateful for that, and and I woke up the next morning and just reeling, you know? I don't know, if, for people that have this issue, and I don't want to be, like, defined by it, but it really, it is this trigger that I lack, like... 
when I'm in it and I'm escaping something or I am just on a mission, there's nothing anyone can do to stop the train. And I was so ashamed. I mean, that feeling of anxiety and shame that just hits you like a freight train the next morning. And you're like, where am I? What am I doing here? Like, what happened? Is, has Chris heard from me? Is he mad at me? Um, you know, all those thoughts that run through your head. And so I, you know, snuck past her husband who was walking the dog. You know, it was like 7 a.m. in the morning. I mean, how embarrassing. I'm gathering my stuff up at, telling him how sorry I am to tell Tina how sorry I am and I get the heck out of there as fast as I can and I get in the car and I get on a Mopac heading home and it just hit me it just hit me I need to call Chris and I need to ask for his help and he answered and I just said babe I'm so sorry and I need your help I can't do this without you but I have to be done with drinking. And it was 724 um, that Friday morning. And I haven't had a drop since. So, <laughs> dang it, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, girl. That is, didn't realize I hadn't processed that yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, you know, Corey details is I threw up in a Starbucks cup uh, in my car. Um, helping my mom and grandma move that next day and that was painful enough and I hold on to that it's not to glorify it it's not to laugh about it but like that was pretty much the bottom of the barrel for me was like I better get my life together or I'm not gonna have another chance I'm either gonna kill myself or kill somebody else and I I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I hurt anyone else because of the choices I made so um that was the day and that was the moment and uh, then quarantine hit, and <laughs> yeah. yay, yay. <laughs> oh. Something, something I was thinking about today when I'm thinking about this conversation is, you know, I wonder, and I imagine it's probably fifty-fifty, like the fact that quarant- you made this decision, and then quarantine hit, and you know, number one, quarantine hit. Like, what else are we gonna do? you know, like we're going to drink wine, but then also quarantine hit and you got the opportunity to really hunker down and really deal and not necessarily deal with everything that's coming up or will come up or has come up, not that, but getting to settle into this decision that you made before the world fully opened, you know, our communities open back up again. And then you're faced with these choices and these, you know, these environments you've had a chance to walk it out in your mind and make these choices ahead of time, um, which I think is great. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Um, but <clears throat> I, you know, I will probably say this a million times throughout the conversation. And if I don't definitely right now that I am so thankful, so thankful that you're willing to come on here and share your story. Cause I, it's not easy. It's not. I don't think, I don't think anybody would say that it's easy and yet it's so incredibly powerful. Just the simple act of standing up and just saying, here I am, here's what happened. Here's my new choice. Here's my new life. It hurts like hell. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know one thing that isn't working and it's alcohol. Right. Um, And there's so many people, there are so many people out there, especially moms, like the mom you hit on it, like, you know, I drink wine, and I have the ability to turn it off. And I hate the mommy wine culture. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's unfair. It's not okay. Um, And it, it's a problem. I think it's a problem, you know? Yeah. Um. So what has your, what's your relationship been like with alcohol? Well, it's been a long one. I mean, I started when I was 15. We moved to a small town um, that was very much a drinking culture. And I'm not blaming, <laughs> I'm not blaming sure. the small town for that. Um, I absolutely have it in my family. It is genetic. Uh, I believe in that. Uh, I'm not going to go into who and what has 
an issue with it. I'm just saying that I, I really didn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> when I started drinking, I loved the way it made me feel. Um, and so I kept trying to recreate that feeling um, since I was 15. So it just has progressed over the years to, you know, your 20s when you're doing happy hours after work and going on dates and dating and, you know, walks of shame. I mean, I'm sad to say it, but yeah, I mean, it it just, there are a lot of things that happened in my twenties that I would not have done if I wasn't under the influence, but, Mm -hmm. um, I have the best friends and family that have forgiven me time and time and time again. I mean, I've ruined birthday parties. I mean, my poor friend Mandy's 30th birthday party and shameful trips that, you know, we had to come home from a trip to Florida after the first night. This was back in 2014 when I when I knew I had a problem and that I needed to address it was this trip. We went to Florida with some other couples and we had to leave after the first night and fly home because of the choices that I made. And that trip has haunted me since then. Um, but the thing that it gave me was clarity on that there was a problem and that I had to address it. It's just taken six years to finally do so. And I, I kind of like remark at that because, or marvel at that because my friends and I who have kind of leaned on each other for the last six years with this issue, she and I talk about like, have you heard that it takes an average of like six to seven years to like really stop drinking when you, when the desire to, to stop is finally hits you. Hmm. It takes so many starts and stops for most people turkey can do it you know and just a bad instance happens and they decide to quit Mm. for me it was many starts and stops it was trying AA hating AA walking into what I thought was an AA meeting and it was a sex anonymous meeting and you know (laughs) being embarrassed embarrassed by that like it's hard enough to go to those meetings but when you end up in the wrong meeting and you're like (laughs) Okay, no judgment, but I am definitely in the wrong seat here. Like, it's it's very raw, and it's very, it's just been a very raw experience. That word just keeps coming up when Mm. I think about my journey with it. Like, I cringe, so many cringeworthy moments. Um, And I think what I fought for so long, especially the last six years, is I just want to be like everybody else. I want to be able to have two glasses and sometimes I could Kim like this wasn't like every time I drank I blacked out right circumstantial it was usually around the time when I was PMSing is when these instances would happen so you're looking at once a month I'm having blackout episodes where you know I wake up and I check my phone and I'm like what like not knowing what I said or did to upset Chris or somebody else. And um, I absolutely love the feeling of waking up every morning with a clear Mm -hmm. head and not worrying about what I might've said or done. So my, my relationship with alcohol has been a long one, but it hasn't been one that has ever really served me. If I'm being honest, it, Mm. it never really helped me to have more fun. I thought it was more fun, but Chris later pointed out that I was kind of annoying. So Mm. <laughs> I mean, I laugh loud anyway, like without alcohol. So I yeah. can only imagine how how loud I was with it. <laughs> so apologies, I had to sit through that. Um, oh, well, there. I mean, you know, my my husband Brian went through went through grad school, and we both of our kids were teeny tiny, and I was. I mean, we were both stressed beyond beyond. I had very little help. And he was working full time and going to grad school. And I mean, I wine was my choice. And I, I drank plenty of it during those two years. But he, (laughs) he could always tell when I'd had just about too much, because I would start dropping the F bomb. (laughs) <laughs> like every other word was like the F bomb. <laughs> so he yeah. would like quietly take me out of the room, you know, like yeah. it was time for us to go because here right. she goes, you know. Yeah. And I, I mean, like I look back on that time and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I just, 
I had so much, it was just so hard that like I could, if I said the F word, I felt more powerful in that moment or I felt like I was releasing some energy, you know, like whatever. But no, I totally get the, you know, dropping the F bombs or laughing too loud or whatever. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you the life of the party and the smartest, most wonderful person in the room. But, you know, really I was probably a sloppy, hot mess Mm -hmm. um, plenty of times, but I don't know. You're one of those people that when you drop the F-bomb, it, it's kind of humorous to me. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know. I don't mind, Kim. But I, that, I, I mean, that's why we're friends. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned, like, wine, mommy wine culture. And I think I just, I need to make it clear. Like, I am not judging anyone for okay. their drinking. I am not here to say I'm better than anyone or you should curb your drinking, too. It's not about anyone else's problem with alcohol or not having a problem with alcohol. It's about me getting comfortable with the fact that I just can't do it anymore. And what I've really struggled with is wanting to fit in still. Like, you know, I'm a people pleaser. I want people to still invite me to things. I want to not be fun Bobby. I mean, I mean, you know, from friends where like, he stops drinking and he's not fun anymore and they're like bummed out they're like dude he used to be so fun we should get him to start drinking again you know and I I I find the humor in that because I really don't want to be fun Bobby I want to still go to the concerts and the trips and the wine tours and all of that and I don't want people to feel like my not drinking is their responsibility Mm. but what I've what I've learned so far is like people like my mom and sisters and best friends out there like them not drinking around me is their way of saying hey I don't have to drink around you to Mm -hmm. have fun and they're just saying I support you in that um even though it still makes me feel weird it makes me feel like everything's off a little Mm -hmm. off kilter and I I just want everybody to do their thing and to still drink and and still invite me. And if it is a problem, I'll be the first to be like, Hey, I got to go, you know, Mm. but give me a chance, Mm. give me a chance to prove that like, I can go on the river trips. I can go to the concerts and I can go to the dinner parties and everybody else is drinking and partaking. And I don't need it to be anybody else's responsibility. Mm. Like if that's their choice to not drink around me, that's great. If they choose to drink around me, that's great too. I, this is a very selfish, self absorbed problem I have. And Chris pointed out the other night, like it's not everybody else's responsibility, Kelly. It's your responsibility to show them that, that it is mm-hmm. okay. You know? And he's like, sometimes I still feel weird cause he still drinks occasionally around me. Um, and I, I had a little problem with it at first. Um, there, it's just, there's moments, right? There's moments where I'm like, Hey, Chris, this is one of those moments where I, I needed to be sober with me at this or this, Mm -hmm. this night, this particular Friday night. Can, can you just be with me in the moment? And I don't feel like I'm the only one in the world not celebrating Mm -hmm. that it's Friday. Um, cause I miss those Friday porch times. I miss those Friday feelings of like, yeah, we're going to get drinks and, try this new restaurant and you know like but that's on me to to tell Chris it's okay to still do those things so mm-hmm. I think in this journey you just have to decide when you're ready for that and I'm definitely ready for that but if I'm in that moment and I'm feeling weird or or angry then I can just remove myself and it's okay it's not any on anyone else you know yeah. and so that's that's what I've really struggled with the most is navigating my personal relationships and what drinking looks like with those relationships. Um, Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes sense because, you know, your relationship with alcohol has been so long. I mean, you've had a long standing relationship with it and it's, it's exactly that it is a relationship that you have built and created and crafted and that relationship is gone. So you're grieving a loss. And on top of that, to grieve humans and those relationships too, like they're no longer the same or they, they're no longer calling me or inviting me to do things. Yeah. I mean that, that makes, that makes sense to me anyway, why 
the desire to have these other relationships normal as normal as possible you know or either normal or honest like like if we like we got together to talk about this and if I Mm -hmm. felt like I wanted to have a glass of wine which I obviously didn't but I would just to be honest to be like hey is it is now an okay time can we can I have a glass of wine or is that going to be is that going to be uncomfortable like it seems like that kind of a conversation would be so helpful for you, for anybody that's trying, that's getting sober and that is sober, as opposed to making the assumption that you don't want to be around us, that you don't want to be invited. You know, it's like, I'm already grieving and I'm already dealing with this very new, weird, bizarre thing now that I don't need any help from other people (laughs) to make, (laughs) make my life hard, you know? But in, in, in that, yeah, I mean, you just, you just made it clear as day because I've been trying to like rectify why I feel so disconnected from the people closest to me in my life right now, minus Chris and a few people is that I, I don't know if, well, now I'm working through this, that maybe it is me to say on me to say, Hey, let's just blanket statement. You can always drink around me until I say, Hey, I got to remove myself, you know, because I don't want anyone to sit across from me and say, hey, is it okay if I have a glass mm-hmm. of wine? I mean, you're 40. Yeah, you do what you do you, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I, get, I get the compassion that comes from a question like that. And yeah. I respect it so much. And I just, I'm trying to really navigate those conversations right now. And so maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll just send them this podcast and be like, hey, <laughs> drink around me okay just please for the love of god have a have a drink it's fine I will tell you if it's not you know and and but I get that it's like when somebody is grieving anything a loss like people always talk about not you know they just want people to mention their child's name right and people are afraid to because they they think it'll bring up you know horrible memories but really that that person just wants to honor their child that's no Mm -hmm. longer with us and and still talk about them, you know? And so I, it is, it's, it's very hard and I'm not discounting how it's making other people feel. I, if anything, I'm trying to be super hyper aware of how I'm making other people feel. And I don't want to make them feel awkward. Like that is the last thing I want. I just want everyone to be open and be like, Hey, you okay with going to a winery? Cool. Join us on that. You know, like I just, yeah. But yeah. I respect it. I and I under, I understand it. I totally do. And I'm not upset with anyone at all. Right yeah. Now. So has you know getting sober has it in this journey so far has it helped your relationships? Has it hurt them? What's the how has it changed the dynamic in your relationships? Oh man. Well, it 100 percent helped my marriage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Poor Chris. Yeah. They're you know 15 years total. And he's bore the brunt of, you know, is that the right way to say it? Bore the brunt? I don't I know. Think so. Sounds, sounds right. right. Uh, sounds, <laughs> uh, it's right. Has, it's good. There you go. He, <laughs> you know, poor guy has had to deal with my sloppiness and the inconsistency and the lies that and the hiding and the you know, the worries that he would have every time I would go, especially to the creative ladies events, like, cause he knew, I mean, open bars and free alcohol for me are just never ended well because I just can't stop it. I'm like, yes, I will. I was never that person that would say, no, I'm good. I don't need another one. Mm. The answer would always be yes. Yeah. And I know for a fact that there are people that don't have that issue because my husband's one of them. He can have one and he'll be like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need more. That's mm. going to make me feel bad tomorrow. And see, I never could really be on the other side of the consequence of another one. Like, mm. oh, I'll think about that later. I don't, I don't need to worry about that. But the most important relationship I have is with Chris. And the second most important one is with our daughter. And it has improved who I am with them a hundred percent. So to me, that's worth it. Um, I am clear headed. I'm productive. I'm way more present. Um, 
And so that alone, I'm, I'm just so happy with, I, it's made my friendships, my navigating friendships a little harder. Um, I feel very, I've felt through quarantine and I'm sure everybody has felt this way at some point during the last six months, but, or eight, seven months that it's isolating. I feel really lonely Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Um, like nobody gets it. And so I just started leaning on my friend who I've leaned on the last six years. She and I have just always been, um, a sense of support for one another. So I reconnected with her and then I, funny enough, uh, connected with one of our customers, Mm. uh, who shared, I, I shared a, I don't know if you know that quote from Brene Brown, but, and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty careful not to share too much of our personal lives on Instagram through our business platform, but I found this quote from Brene Brown and she said, when I got sober, um, I thought giving out up alcohol was saying goodbye to all the fun and all the sparkle. And it turned out to be just the opposite, that that's when the sparkle started. Mm. And I shared that on one of our Instagram stories and this customer saw it and she reached out and said, Hey, I, I've been sober for almost a year and I'd love to get coffee with you. And it's those kind of connections. Mm. We've since met up since I moved back. Um, I started a group chat, uh, chat, so a group text with uh, my friend and this customer who's now a friend and then another <laughs> girl that was connected to me through a friend of a friend And I just was like, you know what, I'm going to put this group text together. And if people don't want to be a part of it, they can get off, they can mute it, they can, you know, they can do whatever they want with it. But I feel like God's calling me to be a connector for Mm. other women who are struggling with this um, same issue. And we all have the same issue. It's Mm. so crazy because we went and got coffee and their story is my story. Which is a few other, you know, minor right. details that are different, but it, it's it's so comforting to connect with these women who feel the same way I do that are missing out. They have FOMO constantly about yeah. road day all day and um, happy hours and boat rides with beer and and just wine tours and all of it. But they're 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 in it and they're committed and. I just, there's so much power in that, in that level of support. So a lot of what I found is like, I'm not one of those sober people that like leans on AA. I haven't leaned on many books. I'm reading one right now called We Are the Luckiest by Lauren McCown. I think that's how you say your name. Yeah. I follow her on Instagram. McCowan. Yeah. Um, it, the best book. I'm not even done with it yet. And I just, it's so perfect for me and what I needed at this moment in time. And we're all reading it. So we're not doing a book club because I can't stand book clubs. I refuse. But <laughs> we're like, hey, I'm going to listen to this. You should too. If not, no big deal. Do what you want. But we all are. And we send each other, you know, like helpful quotes throughout the day. Or if somebody's struggling, we'll be honest about that. So I don't really know where that's going from here. Um but I'm just trusting that God put me back here for a reason. And, mm-hmm. and I've always been a connector in that way. Like mm-hmm. I love connecting people that have, you know, are like-minded and um, yeah. So I, I just, I don't know. It, it's just, that's, that's what I'm doing is I'm leaning on those connections with those women who yeah. know exactly what I mean when I say I have FOMO today about X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Like, girl, I know, I, I hear you hang in there. You're doing the right thing. Like, so it's great. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think, fun. yeah, I don't, you know, another reason why I wanted to do this podcast is we can't, we just can't go through life alone. We weren't me- meant to go through life alone. There's just no way. There's no way. Um, but something you said about um, more present with, your daughter and your husband since you have gotten sober. And there's a question I'm reading a book. Well, I'm in air quotes, reading a book. I started it and I stopped it. (laughs) I started and I stopped it. Right. (laughs) It's what we do. Um, But it's called rise of the truth teller by Ashley Abercrombie. 
And um, it's really good. It's She's got some really, really great nuggets in there. And one of the questions that she poses is if you're choosing alcohol or drugs or shopping, whatever your vice is, mm-hmm. um, you're doing that. And the question she asks is, are you giving your family your emotional scraps? Oh, and yeah. Even for me and alcohol, like, and I've I've told Brian this multiple times that like, it's a conscious choice for me to drink. Like, I'm either going to drink or I'm not going to drink. Mm -hmm. And I've learned and I'm aware that if I do drink, I miss my family. Like, I just miss them at night. I am, I'm drinking wine. We might be all on the couch together watching a movie, but I'm not present. Mm -hmm. I'm hanging out with my glass of wine. And then sometimes I'm on my phone, you know? And it's really, really, it's hard. It's Mm -hmm. really hard. And I love that you have that uh, awareness now that you're like, yeah, now that that's gone, I can totally show up for my family and I can like hear them and see them and be present. And it's so powerful. I mean, just I imagine and I wonder what it's going to be like when your daughter grows up and she starts learning about you. Like what a badass. Gosh, you know what I mean? Because again, talk about her. But yeah, I I I told Chris the other day, like I am so grateful that she will never know a different version of me because she's four, right? And I she's she's gonna have some memories from our time in Lagrange and all of that, but really she's not gonna remember anything other than her mom having clear eyes and you know full heart. Yeah, (laughs) Friday Night Lights. But yeah, like I, I think, you know, my mom said it in 2014 when I stopped drinking for a while, the first time she was like, God, your eyes are just so sparkly now. Mm. And I really have held on to that because it absolutely comes out of your eyes and like, are they, are they Mm -hmm. filled with anxiety or depression? I mean, I, Chris can see it all over my face when I'm anxious or depressed or drunk or you know mm-hmm. like you can't hide that from especially your loved ones and I absolutely wake up every morning and I'm ready I'm ready I might I might be tired I mean I still get really tired um you know just from life but right. I'm present more I, I'm working on the presence with not being on my phone that definitely needs to be addressed but I I'm not nursing a hangover to get through a morning or a Sunday or, you know, I just, and those nights when I would start drinking maybe during dinner and then it would continue and then I'd have too, too many. And, you know, it just, yeah, I wasn't, I was reading stories to her, but not really living in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I, I totally feel that presence now. And, but I think that's something you always have to work on. It does, it does a magic switch. I'm not perfect at it. Right. It's like even if you're whether it's alcohol or you've got your you know your mind is all on your work or you're trying to you know work on your phone answer text you know whatever yeah I mean yeah being present I think is an ongoing issue. Yeah and Lauren McCowan said perfectly I read this quote the other day that she was like alcohol just stoked the fire it poured kerosene or gasoline I don't know which one on my anxiety. It, I always thought it would help it, but it was mm-hmm. never helping it. It was always making it worse. Mm. And it was it would just delay it, you know, until the next morning. And then it's like, it's a ton of bricks. And I suffer from anxiety and depression. And those two don't mix well with mm-hmm. alcohol. They just don't. I no. mean, my heart races regardless of having alcohol in my bloodstream. So I, I just... Seeing what that other version of me could look like on the other side of it is what keeps me going. And I'm still, I'm definitely a work in progress. When, yeah, when you, um, when you got sober, you know, like the, that first day or the week or whatever, you know, I, I imagine, I imagine that it's going to be over and over again, different layers and different processes and, you know, different emotions that come up or whatever, but, you know, like if whatever your vice is and for you, it was alcohol and numbing and hiding and running away and whatever your, you know, underlying motive, whether it was intentional or not, but you're just choosing this was happening when you got sober. Was there like 
was there like this flood of emotion? Like, oh my gosh, now I'm angry for four weeks and I don't know why I'm so angry. Or now I'm really depressed. And because maybe you were numbing or hiding or stuffing all those emotions. Was it, was it like that for you when you got sober? Oh yeah. I mean, people talk about uh, the pink cloud that can come with new sobriety. And I absolutely had it. I remember driving down the road and it was a beautiful day. And I just was like, hi, as a kite on life. Mm. But what happens is you inevitably come off of that pink cloud. And throughout the process, there's why I keep saying I feel raw is I'm having to deal (laughs) with every single emotion that comes my way by myself without alcohol helping, Mm. help, quote unquote, helping me get through it. So there are some emotions that I have that have bubbled to the surface that I had no idea were there. Mm. Um, One minute I'll be happy. The next I'll be in a puddle of tears. And Chris is just like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, poor guy, (laughs) put him through the ringer. Uh, But you know, it's just a process of like, working through the stuff I've never worked through before. Mm. I mean, past traumas, um, instances, stuff I've done, stuff that was done to me. You're kind of being like, it's all bubbling to the surface. And I don't know why I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't, I have no idea why this is happening, but I've heard time and time again that this does happen when you do get sober is like, you're, you're being forced to face these things that Mm. you've always repressed or, have been repressing because you just didn't want to deal with them. It's too freaking painful. Yeah. And and I am actively working through that. I mean, it's anyone's guess from week to week, if I'm going to be happy, sad, angry. And I read the other day, this person, this guy who got sober, like two years in is when he finally started feeling like Mm. happy. Yeah. Consistently happy. And I'm like, dang, that's going to, well, we got some time before. I- <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Because I'd rather keep going than start that clock over. Like, yeah. Now my pride's involved, and then like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm not starting that clock over. Because when I stopped in 2014, I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna stop, and then I'd dabble again, and then I kind of restart the clock, and I just wasn't committed. Like it wasn't my time, and yeah. so. This book that I read at the beginning of the year called Resisting Happiness by Matthew Kelly was, has been the most important book I've read ever Mm. in my life. And my best friend got it from this girl dropped off, you know, like uh, hand-me-down clothes and the book was in there and Reagan read it. And she's like, you know, after the polar plunge on January 1st of this year, we did it in her pool and it was terrible. I hated it, but (laughs) that should have been. Care what this year would look like is like the whole year is going to be a polar plunge of mm-hmm. uncomfortableness and mm-hmm. um like I fell after I got out of the pool and hurt my hip like it was just a shit show and she was like <laughs> I think you should read this book I think it would help you Kelly uh because we we're talking about goals I'm such a goal setter I love 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 having a goal and this book in it he talks about that God has put in your heart a mission for your life. He, I'm going to botch this, but he basically talks about, he has given you God given talents to live out that mission in your life. And it is up to you to recognize what those God given talents are and to live them out to then see the best version of yourself and, and, and see what that person is like, but you're never going to get there. If you keep resisting happiness, if you can Mm. keep resisting he talks about resistance. Like we're all battling this, this, this unseen battle in our lives and it's resistance. So if you think about it, everything that we, whether we want to lose weight or be successful or, or stop drinking, we're resisting something to get there because it's painful because it's too hard because, you know, I I don't know, whatever the reason is. And if you accept what he's put in your heart and try to live out that mission. Like for instance, I have been resisting going back to fundraising for about a year now because I really wanted to work on our business full time. And, and in February, I get reconnected with this organization, Wilderness Trek, and they have asked me to help them fundraise for them on the Mm. side. And it just was the right timing, but really it was me being open to it because Mm. I knew I had a talent with fundraising 
but I wanted to use it for good, mm-hmm. you know, and feel good about it. Um, and this organization came in my life at the right time. Finally. I mean, they'd been working on me for years, my friend Mike on the board, like for years to get me to help them. And I was just like, no, 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 I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm, I don't like it. I, you know, and that was me resisting. Well, since I've started helping him, them, it's just opened so many doors. It's, it's continuously working in my life and I know big things are coming with it and they really need me right now. And we're, it's just, I would never have been open to it Mm. if I hadn't had that book in my life to showcase that I was resisting it when God like gave me that talent and I'm wasting it Mm. because I just, I'm lazy. I don't want to do it. I I'm stubborn. And now I'm just trying to sit still in it all being back in Austin and being like, okay, what, what does he want me to do? And being still in it means that I have to just listen to where he's guiding me. And for some reason he wanted us back here in Austin. And so I'm going with it and he wants me to be a part of wilderness Trek, So I'm going with it. He wants me to be connected to this, these women and to you and, we hadn't talked in a year almost mm. and here we are again like reconnecting so I just I highly encourage anyone to pick that book up because it, it just it talks about just living the best version of you and mm. I have this vision I'm a big vision board girl like you <laughs> yeah. yes we okay. do <laughs> I love your vision board I'm making one this week I'm Good. Going uh yeah and so I have this vision I turned 40 in April and I'm like, I want to be in the best shape mentally and physically by my 40th birthday. And I want to be in Maui with Chris on the beach running in a bikini. And I know that's Love like that. silly and crazy, and like, you know, totally egotistical that I want to oh, be, I like, you know, but I want to be strong, well, and, you know, yeah. strong bodied and strong minded. And I just keep holding on to that vision of like this this could be that version of me that mm-hmm. I've always wanted to see what she looks like mm-hmm. and what she acts like mm-hmm. and what kind of life she has. And I'll never know it if drinking continues mm-hmm. to be a part of my life because I- I'm resisting it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, there was some, Brian said something recently. It was along those lines and it, it like struck me because we were, I guess I was looking at pictures. I got into the photos of like high school and like all this stuff and, you know, right out of high school. I mean, I was, I was drinking in high school and then out of high school mm-hmm. I was drinking and that's when I got into drugs and had my own struggle with addiction there. Um, and I showed him a picture and it was a picture that I think I looked really cute in. Like I thought mm-hmm. it was like a cute picture, you know, but I was completely high, totally wasted, definitely not checked in. Yeah. And he looked at me and he's like, Oh, this version of you is way sexier than that version. You're way better. Good looking, like way more good looking today than you've yeah. ever been. Yeah. And it's like, that's so true. And it's not like, it's not because I'm fully, I don't have a flat stomach. It's not any of that. It's being yeah, present and right. being self-aware and owning your strengths and owning your weaknesses and not being afraid of your own light. You know, like so many oh, of like, us, like, I mean, myself included, I'm, you know, like, it's like we get so close to our light and then we're like, oh, fuck that. We're out. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> Like, no hard. thanks, uh, you know? Yeah. yeah, I don't want to work out that much. No, yeah, I don't no. want to knock the cake. Yeah, I, I get it. Like, I I love that, I, the light of ourselves. I mean, and, and so much of this journey has been about stepping out of the dark into mm-hmm. the light of the truth. And, and yeah, getting so close to being her. Uh, yes. And doing it for her mm-hmm. and doing it for the people I love the most in my mm-hmm. life. And, and proving to myself that like, I don't know why I've always resisted it. Like I've always been like so close to her Mm -hmm. and I'm like, no, like some psychiatrist can tell me what that's all about someday. But I I just, I'm really excited about that vision. And if it's not on April 13th on my birthday, great, whatever, but it will happen. Mm -hmm. I know it will. And I'm excited about that. And that's what keeps me going is that huge vision I don't really, I'm, I'm a vision person. I'm not a, all the steps to get there kind of gal. Mm-hmm. So he, he and I work well together. He's like, yeah, that's great and all, but how are you going to do all those things? Yeah. Like, I don't know. We'll figure it out later. Um, 
so yeah, and sometimes it works for me and sometimes it doesn't. But I mean, I think that that vision, so whatever works for you, you know, like for me, it's the vision of her. Mm -hmm. And I, before I die, I want to know what she's like and I want to be in her skin and really just do it for her. I love that. I love that. Um, so what would you, you know, you're eight months sober. What would you tell someone? What would you, if there's just one simple life is way too complicated mm-hmm. to think about all these complicated concepts. Like if there's just one simple thing that you could tell another mom or another woman who they know they need to get sober, they know that they struggle and there's a problem there, but they're just afraid or they're just tired and don't want to or whatever. What's one piece of, you know, encouragement? I'm not really big on advice, but like, you know, one <laughs> thing that um, you would tell them to help them. Yeah. And I'm no expert. I'm never going to p- pretend that I am. Um, I have not read all the books like my friend has. Um, I, I, you know, I thought about this long and hard and I really truly believe that everyone just has to do that thing that works for them. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, do it. So I did not have a sweet tooth before quitting alcohol and I had a huge one in quarantine after Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much sugar I was ingesting through wine and so I let myself I allowed myself the grace to eat whatever the hell I wanted during quarantine and yeah I gained some weight but I didn't drink yeah no that's awesome you know especially in the beginning the you're at first you're counting the days and then the weeks and then you're like okay I got through that Uh then it's the occasions okay I've got to get through my best friend's 40th birthday I can Mm -hmm. do that if I get through that I can get through anything you you know so it's like it's doing it's it's little baby steps it's little goals it's whatever works for you to me I this time was adamant about not starting over and Mm -hmm. adamant about not having a drop of alcohol Mm -hmm. because every time I tried in the past I would teeter on that line I'd live in the gray and I've just, it's very clear to me. I can't live in the gray anymore. It is mm. definitely black and white. So I, my friend, she reads all the books. She listens to all the podcasts that works for her. That's awesome. I, I gleam off of her. Cause I'm like, Hey, what'd you learn from that thing? <laughs> like, a few short minutes. Like I just need the, the cliff notes version, but like, yeah, like whatever it is, whether it's working out all the time or sleeping a lot or giving yourself grace especially in the early days to just not drink like you just like AA is right like you just you just have to choose that day like I'm just not going to drink this minute that hour mm. this day this week like just build it up and do whatever works for you and what like you know for a while there for me the five o'clock hour was really hard because a oh. lot of a lot of the drinking for me anyway it can turn into just a habit like it's five o'clock, we're making dinner, let's pour a glass of wine. That's what yeah. we do. You know, it's not even so much the craving of the alcohol. It's just the habit that gets formed oh. with it, you know? And so for a while there to re my brain, you know, to like reset, I would pour sparkling water into a wine glass and I would drink that and I would feel so much better, such mm-hmm. a better choice. Um, I still do that sometimes because I know it's what's Me the too. best option, you know? what are some simple tools like that that you've discovered or is that the only one or, or what else do you do during the, you know, the witching hours or the hard times? Yeah. I mean, I, I did that too in the very beginning. I still do that. I like just the pure act of holding a drink in your hand mm-hmm. has gotten me through event after event, yeah. social occasion after through countless dinners where I'm making dinner by myself in the kitchen. And that used to be my favorite time to have a glass of wine. Yeah wind down or whatever right yeah I mean I that I I do have a a girl that that's on this group chat that she her therapist told her to absolutely not put it in a wine glass um but for me I absolutely love holding a glass of wine and it doesn't trigger me to be like oh I wish wine was in there it all it does make me feel better that Mm -hmm. I'm still partaking and feel festive because to me a lot of it is just the pure act of feeling festive right so yeah whatever those tricks or tips are for you like I found this non-alcoholic um German 
uh, grapefruit beer at Total Wine. And like, I have that in the fridge at all times so that mm. if we're out with neighbors and yeah, talking in the cul-de-sac, I can at least have that and I can have it in a bottle or I can have it in a wine glass or a Yeti or it doesn't matter. Like whatever right. makes me like, even if I need four of them to get through an event, like right. here's how many calories are in it. I don't care. Right. I like do whatever that thing is that works for you. That's my only advice or recommendation. It's yeah. Just, if you need it in a wine glass, then do it. You know. Yeah. If it doesn't trigger a deeper issue. You know? Right. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think we have. There's just so <laughs> we have so much to worry about on your plate. Like when on our plates, like you said you said you got sober and then you know you know quarantine hit. And you were like, I ate all the, when we were talking about this in our, in my backyard and you were like, yeah, I just ate all the food. Like what, you know, what else, what else? And I made sweet tooth, you know, all this stuff. And I just like, I just wish and want people to hear that, that like, this isn't whatever it is that you're going through or you're trying to change or shift or whatever. It's like, just do that one thing and then give yourself grace for everything else. Like who the F cares? Like, let's just focus on getting sober and then we'll deal with your weight if that's a problem for you. And we'll deal with your eating habits later. But like, (laughs) let's just focus on one thing right now. And if you want a cookie, for God's sakes, have a cookie. You quit. You just got sober. Like, let's give the woman a cake. (laughs) (laughs) She deserves ice cream and a cookie. Yeah, absolutely. And I like and I kind of view it in stages, right? Like. However long I gave myself grace for however long this would take to feel good to start the next thing on self-improvement. And so for me, I started walking when we were still in the Grange. That was about six months in where I was like, okay, now I'm ready to like move and physically do something for myself. And walking really just was helpful to clear my head and to have alone time. And I'd listen to podcasts or whatever, just music. And you know, and now I'm like, okay, I'm back in Austin. Now I can go running again. I can go run on town Lake. And that's my, that is my therapy since 2004. That has been my thing is town Lake. And, oh, I'm sorry, Lady Bird Lake for all you. New- <laughs> uh, Good call. Go no, I'm just kidding. About that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. Oh, sorry. Um, anyway. And just like, you know, whatever, when you're ready, like do that right. next thing. And right. for me, since I'm a goal oriented person, like I've got to have something to work towards. And right now it's working back up to running again. Mm-hmm. And the food thing, I'm still giving myself a lot of grace. I eat cereal every night for dessert now because I feel like it's better than ice cream. But it's like oh. I need that, like I need that treat at the end of the day because I just need it to get to sure. like to not beat myself up. Like yeah. I'm so sick of being so hard on myself. So I'm just like, okay, eat the cereal. Who cares? It's not even the worst cereal I could eat. I mean, it's not like even Count Chocula. It's (laughs) Quaker Oats. Like, it's not even a good deal. You know, like, come on. But if I want Count Chocula, then I'm going to freaking have it. So, like, this whole, like, you know, keto, weight stuff, diet stuff, I'm like, I don't have time for it. Yeah. I just don't. Like, I I just got to do what works for me. And and for me, I need the... I need it to feel good about the rest of life. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, uh, do you regret getting sober? Mm. No, not at all. No. Not a girl. Yeah. I do love, I will say one trick too is, uh, my coffee addiction is, Mm. I I mean, I'm sure that I have another. (laughs) I love caffeine and coffee and that I'm like, if I need four to get me through the day, then that's just it for now. But it's not, I'll work on that later. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's that's all I would add about the, how, whatever it takes to get through it. Yeah. Well, my friend, I have loved this conversation so much and your eyes are for sure sparkly. For sure. And you are glowing. Even when you're crying, there is definitely a strength and a courage and a bravery that just, it just oozes out of you. Um, And it's different today than it was, you know, two years ago at Creative Ladies Night when we were both drinking wine, you know, Um, it's good. It's really good. And I'm here for you a thousand percent, whatever it is that you need. 
um, I'll show up now that you're back in Austin. <laughs> I'm going to show up at your door. <laughs> there you go. You better. <laughs> oh, so I man. just really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I know it's not easy. Um, it, I just, I love what you're doing, Kim. I believe in you with my whole heart. And this is a God. It's a God thing that mm-hmm. he connected us again. And I, I just, I love what you're doing. I love that you're shedding light on kind of some dark things that people tend to push away and push down. And I just, I love absolutely what you're doing and I believe in you. And I just thank you so much for having me on here. I mean, it's scary as hell and I can't believe I just did that, but I think it's going to be a part of my journey and part of my story that I look back on and just so know that that was kind of a turning point for me. Uh, Thank you so much for what you're doing. This is it. This is me. Um, 100%. And it feels really good. Like, I I feel it's like just had a therapy session. Mm. Just with everybody listening in. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Things I Learned Yesterday podcast. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Things I Learned Yesterday or say hi in an email at TILYpodcast at gmail.com. Do me a favor and leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. See you guys next time.